Welcome to Asia New Horizons, where law enforcement practitioners and academics get together to share knowledge and ideas to shape the future of crime analysis. My name is Phil Rudkin. I'm currently a principal lecturer with Nottingham Trent University um, and have been with the university since 2018. Um, I've just been appointed also an associate professor in um, Malaysia for Santo University College, which is a law enforcement university as well. Um, a little bit about me then. Um, I actually started my police journey in 2003 when I joined Leicestershire Police. Um, and that's where I've spent the bulk of my, my service. Um, I started as a response officer, but quickly became interested in things like tutoring. So I trained a number of officers and uh, on the front line. I also did a lot of work in the community around beat uh, officer work. Um, and then had a variety of different roles from places like the force control room to CID and um, some specialist units. Um, in 2010, really, my passion was always to either be a police officer or to teach. Um, and I was very lucky in my policing career that in 2010, I went into the training department. Uh, initially as a police IT trainer, uh, my background for my degree is computer science. So that seemed a logical step. Um, and I began sort of looking at police systems that we train and why we why we train the way we do and also what we actually teach our officers to do and it was quite clear to me at that early stage that what we teach and train necessarily isn't what goes on on the front line so I had that portfolio for around about two or three years before moving into the law side of the training uh, where I first sort of had my teaching experience at De Montfort University so I became an associate lecturer there whilst working for the police and um, was teaching on their foundation degree program. Um, that passion really ignited my teaching aspirations, I suppose. Um, but as with everything in the police, another um, project came along, if you like, and, and I then spent another three years designing and delivering training for around about 10,000 officers across the East Midlands and City of London Police on a policing system which is called Niche which is a sort of 28, 29 forces now have that particular programme. And it's a case custody, crime and intelligence, all singing, all dancing system. Um, but I still had that burning passion to teach. And in 2018, uh, whilst I was still working for the City of London Police, um, I managed to secure a position here at Nottingham Trent University um, as a senior lecturer um, and decided to leave police after nearly 15 years of service. Um, if you'd have asked my family, was I ever going to leave the police? The answer was that was no. Um, but I wanted my passion for education and this seemed a, a really nice hybrid. So I became a senior lecturer. I became the course leader for what was then their policing degree. Um, but quite quickly, it was very much apparent that obviously with the College of Policing introducing the new PEQF and the new routes into policing, um, my, one of my first tasks was not only to continue to run the policing degree that they had at NTU, but was to design a new one. Um, and that's where my sort of first part of my journey towards police education and looking at why we do the things we do and, and how it sort of run started. So right back from 2018, sort of mid 2018, that sort of passion started. So by 2019, we designed and delivered, uh, started delivering the degree. Um, and at that time, I started undertaking uh, research. So I'd been in academia a year. Um, I'd already got my teaching postgraduate qualification and fellowship at the Higher Education Academy. 
um, previously. So I, I really did start the desire, if you like, for, for police education. Um, I think that the new degree really does have a place in society and I can see why the College of Policing and, and the government have followed this agenda. It's followed similar professions such as nursing um, and social work. Um, it's not something that's new to the police. We've dabbled with policing degrees from my research experience since the 1960s when actually Essex Police were one of the first forces in the country to send what was then inspectors or above to university where it was paid for. Um, and then through various iterations across the years, you know, foundations degrees have been introduced Some forces of when, when training schools closed in sort of 2006, a lot of forces were working with higher education partners on foundation degrees and things like that. So it's always been there, but I think now since certainly since 2018, 2019, that it's, it's really solidified now. And of course, it's one of the main ways into policing once the 20,000 uplift sort of subsides. Um, so we offer the pre-joined degree at Nottingham Trent University, which is one of the three approved routes into policing, the other being the apprenticeship and the degree holder. Um, the pre-join is different from those two routes in terms of it's paid for by the student. So in essence, the student is having that student experience, but they're paying for that themselves. But they're also, depending on the provider that they go to, will have the opportunity to practice. And we offer practice opportunities um, to allow students to apply the learning that they're, they're undertaking in the classroom and in the workshop environment. Um, so for me, I think police education is a good thing. I think it can only lead to bigger and better things. I think crime is changing. It certainly has changed since I joined in 2003. What we deal with now is, is a lot more technical. It's a lot more um, critical thinking. It, it's, it's, it's the, it is old, that argument of Simon Holdaway said in 1983, for example, that policing can only be learned on the job. It's a craft. And actually, I think the police education framework shows that actually not necessarily. We need to develop critical thinking. We need to be able to um, show our skills in a different way now. So I started this journey of, of research in police education, started a professional doctorate in, in, in that. And what my area of research primarily is focused on is, is, is what benefit policing degrees will bring to the service. And what I'm looking to do on the course of my journey is to um, explore both student officers and student uh, students at NTU's ideas around that. Why are they studying the pre-joined degree? What are their long-term aspirations? But also to look at um, officers who are in service and how, how they see the, the pre-joined degree or the apprenticeship or the degree holder route impacting on their force. Has it created a two-tier system? Um, I myself have worked with some amazing officers in, in my time who have perhaps just got two GCSEs. Um, I've also worked with some people who are highly educated to doctoral level. Um, because they're doctoral level, does that mean that they are better police officers? I would argue that perhaps that's not always the case, that perhaps they sometimes they overcomplicate things. So I think it's a real interesting question to, to pose. Um, and that's what I'm really interested in. And, and my research is at a very, very early stage. Um, but it's a very new concept. So, you know, there hasn't been any studies particularly on the impacts of those degrees because we're only just starting to see the first cohort of students come through. 
So hopefully by the time I get to that stage within my research, um, I'll have some meaningful data that will or won't support what I'm trying to explore. Um, in terms of the three routes, um, I think on a personal opinion basis, do I think that they hold equal weight? Um, no, I don't. I think that the forces around the country are very, very focused on the degree apprenticeship um, and the degree holder programme. And that's where they see their main um, set of recruits coming from. Why do I think that they see that? I think a lot of that is perhaps an element of control where they have those programmes. They are the controlling body and they're working with an education provider um, and they're able to oversee and steer and have some um, insight into what's going on. I think where we have the pre-join, I think there's a lot of nervousness around the future recruits coming into the industry. Um, 2022 next year, we'll see nearly 2,000 recruits come out of pre-join degrees. And as of next year, there'll be 44 providers of higher education establishments that are going to do the pre-join. Um, but yeah, even today, when I've researched it prior to this podcast and, and on another article that I'm working on, um, only three providers, three force forces around the country, which is Norfolk, Suffolk and North Wales Police, are actually accepting students who have a pre-join, which means that we've got 40 other forces that at this moment are not recognising that particular entry route, which is approved by the college. We're licensed by the college. And we're saying to students, you know, come and do this degree. Um, and this will get, this will help you to get a place within the police force. Yet 40 providers are clearly not ready for nearly 2000 students coming out. And why is that? We don't, I don't know whether that is because of the, they, they don't have the relationships with the HEIs. We're very fortunate at Nottingham that we have an excellent relationship with Nottingham police. And because we offer practice opportunities to our students through Nottinghamshire Police, they know that they've got an average of 50 students coming out of our pre-join next year that are potentially recruitable, hmm. subject to national, national um, you know, recruitment requirements. So forces are missing out. Well, yeah. and, and, and I don't understand why when the national recruitment is around about seven and a half thousand, there's nearly, you know, I think by you know, 2022 beyond, nearly a third of candidates are coming out into the industry. They've paid for it themselves. They, mm. There's very little cost to forces. So why aren't forces seeing that benefit? Have you not, so have you not sat in on, on meetings where you're hearing, you know, these recruiters discuss maybe the effectiveness of what these students are being taught and how that could then be sort of adopted within their everyday practices when being a police officer. Like surely there are, they have concerns around this. And I think one that I've looked at and heard of loads of times is all the knowledge is what they're being taught. You know, are we, is that, is that meeting our needs and our demands? Because as you said, crime's getting more sophisticated, more technical. Um, and there is a massive gap between higher education institutions and police forces. Um, and I don't know why. As it is, like you said, you just don't, there's no reason real, really for it. But I just wanted to know if you've ever heard, you've sat in meetings and you've heard these concerns being, being raised. So as ironic as this is, next month there is a College of Policing conference. Um, and I've actually been asked to 
to speak and present at that conference as a pre-joined provider. And particularly around um, the assessment strategies that we have. So because myself, I was a police trainer, um, a lot of my team are former police officers, either either retired or left mid-service, but with police training qualifications as well as master's qualifications and so forth. We have a really good idea of what the police force want, or we certainly believe we do. Um, And for us, a lot of our students have a practical application, a need for practical application. And we have tried to to build that into our degrees. So, for example, in our crime investigation module, we teach people how to investigatively interview. We teach them how to manage a crime scene. We teach them how to complete certain police paperwork, files for court and so forth. And their skills that inherently, when I went to traditional training school back in 2003, a lot of those things were inbuilt in that police training. And lots of forces who did inter-house training post the closure of training schools in 2006 followed that similar model. So we are in building, we're we're putting that into our degrees. Mm. Now, not every provider is doing that. Every provider, in essence, provides something different depending on the facilities and expertise they have. But certainly for NTU, and one of the reasons we've been asked to go to the college is because we have a really innovative assessment strategy. We're giving them not only the theory, but we're giving them the ability to apply the theory. So crime investigation, crime scene theories, um, criminological theory, all of that is very, very relevant and it gives them that critical thinking. What we're doing then is putting them into an environment and saying, okay, you're now a police officer, apply that theory, show us what you can do. We're going to give you those skills so that when they actually do become regular police officers, they've already got a good understanding of those skills. And the force Mm. haven't got such a skills gap that they probably think they've got. Mm. Um, That the PCDA and the DHEP, because they've got that element of control, they know what they have. And I think a lot of it comes down to that relationship between the higher education provider and their local force or forces. We have an excellent relationship. And I think because of that, a lot of our forces, in fact, 85% of our cohort that left last year, the policing degree, the last year of that, are now working for Nottinghamshire Police as police officers. Yeah. And that's because we are able to show Nottinghamshire Police that we give our students what they need. And I think there's some nervousness around the forces. And I think part of my role at the conference is to say to them, this is what we do. This is why we do it. This is what we think you want and how we can improve things and give you that trust that the 2000 or so students that are coming out next year are not just bookworm students they've got some practical application they understand Mm. policing and in some cases they probably had more classroom based time than somebody who is on the apprenticeship or DHEP and yes they are on the streets and they're doing that craft but I would argue sometimes because they are on the streets, are they missing out on the critical thinking side of things, which yeah. the whole purpose of the policing degree was to develop officers who are critical thinkers and are able to deal with crimes of the future. So I think it's really important that those conversations are happening. Depending on which provider you talk to, depending on which force you talk to, yes, those conversations are already going on. And I think what startles me a little bit is 
we're, we're, we're nine months away from students graduating and exactly. only three out of 43 forces mm. are looking at these people and saying, yeah, we'll take you. And they're forces that don't recruit many people. They're smaller forces. And it's we need to sell this product. We need to sell the police education third option, the pre-join yeah. to the bigger metropolitan forces. I completely agree with you, but I can't help. Now, you you would appreciate this. As an academic, you always have to have a well-balanced approach. And I can't help but think, especially with the research I'm doing, specifically in intelligence and how that works, maybe one of the main concerns is that you're teaching it through your the way you see it. And with police forces, we see it time and time again, and other law enforcement agencies, when they're posting jobs, they're looking for specific skills. And maybe that's one of the worries. They're not agreeing with what you're teaching because it doesn't meet their needs. Now, that might be so, that, that, I think that's maybe a generalised comment, but I'm happy to make it because it is a thing. It's a culture. Yeah. It's, it exists. And maybe that's one of the main concerns. They don't agree what's being taught because they're not teaching it. And so really, Phil, with you and your colleagues, you're doing amazing work. You're taking away the sort of stress of them training new recruits because you've taught them these vital skills. But maybe they just don't want it like that. They just want control over what's being taught to conform, I guess, these individuals into the policing policing culture and how that works. I don't know. I I I think to a point, I think you are are right. And I think we are probably going deeper than the curriculum in most cases because yeah. as academics we're, we're looking at not only that national perspective we're looking probably at that international perspective Absolutely. we're making correlations between how the countries do things we're, we're looking at a variety of different theories and academics versions and interpretations of those mm-hmm. theories and I think you're right in that police forces traditionally and having been a police officer it's the way we've always done it is, is, a, is a common phrase that you hear. You know, why are we changing? Because we've always done it this way and it's tried and it's tested. Mm. I think we're now in a more modern era. I think crime is changing. Forces are having to be more um, adaptive to the way things are. And, and particularly if we're looking to address the professionalisation agenda and and you know, the, the, the recruitment difficulties that, that forces have, particularly around BAME recruitment, for example, that policing is not necessarily seen as a profession, a graduate profession. Mm. Part of that is salary-based. Part of that is the nature of the work. And, and, you know, forces have traditionally struggled to recruit a diverse ethnic minority mix in each cohort that they do. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that challenge for universities, we are able to recruit those members of society because of the nature of the university and the institutions that we are. What our challenge is, is to then not only get them on that degree, but then to make that transition into the force. And that at the moment is still a stumbling block. Which is terrifying. Because we need more officers on beat. There's not, there's yeah. not, I know we all constantly have the police cuts as we've had in the past, but you know, you, you, when you speak to the right people, they want these changes, but there's only a couple that are open to adopting different changes because mm. it's so hard to unteach something that's been taught for such a long time, especially the training and what you, what you were taught when you used to be mm. a police officer. But I think the work you're doing is absolutely amazing. 
and it's needed and especially you've got the college of policing on side you know college of policing is where we all we all turn to the college of policing for new training ideas etc um it's just fascinating that only did you say three or was it there's only three so from my having looked at the website today um so the 27th of october 2021 north wales police suffolk and norfolk were the only one that recognized the pre-join at this moment in time and that's not to say that as we get closer towards those students graduating that they are going to open up but what i would say is that the students i have in my year three level six cohort now it's now that they need to be looking at what their next move is because time goes so fast and traditional police recruitment takes at least six months in most cases exactly so they're starting to look now and i only had a, a, a group tutorial session with some students yesterday and you know one student for example comes from the London area and she said there's nowhere there is nowhere anywhere where she lives that is taking pre-joined students yeah which is really disappointing because she doesn't necessarily want to stay in Nottingham Um, and Nottinghamshire police although it's not on the website you know the chief constable has already written to us over a month ago and said you know you've got loads of students coming so I'm really excited about that because in essence they're free um, exactly. yeah. so we know Nottinghamshire Police will take our students because we have a history of that and, and like I say last year 85% of our cohort were recruited so we know we've got a really good relationship there and we know we do a good job but for those students that aren't from the East Midlands region it's really discouraging because they're saying have we actually done the right degree yeah they don't want to have to go back and do a degree holder and do another two years of stuff I've already studied mm-hmm. so you know, those students at the minute are in a really dark place because they can't see a future. And part of that is because forces are not recognising um, that all these people are about to flood the market. Yeah. So, Phil, correct me. So with my students, my policing students, yeah. we, we don't go into as much depth as what you are. OK, but I, what, when I was a master student, we did. We learned about the crime, you know, crime scene investigations intel. Yeah. My student compared to yours, if they study the criminology degree with law, and they go and apply for policing, which many of my students have gone and done, they are quite successful. Now, the difference between my student and yours is that they've done the degree entry. Yes. And then so police forces are looking at that thinking, we're not taking that. So those those students that have got another degree uh, in criminology, they are more than recruitable to the police service because they are graduates. The difference between the apprenticeship, the degree holder and the pre-join is that obviously the apprenticeship is what we class generally as the sort of the, the golden ticket into policing because it's policing and they'll pay for your degree. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very difficult and numbers are tight. More people probably fit into the degree holder entry route because they have a degree in history or criminology or, or any other subject. What some people don't realise is that if they've got that yearning to join join the force and they go off and do their history degree or, or another type of degree, is that they've then got to do more study when they're recruited. And they've got to work and they've got to study at the same time. Mm. Um, now, for some students, that's appealing because they like the thirst yeah. for knowledge. Yeah. But for some students, having done a three-year undergraduate degree, or even in some cases a three-year undergraduate or maybe a one- or a two-year postgraduate degree, the thought then of going to do some more study isn't necessarily appealing. Um, And that's where certainly when we see students who come for open days and are having that real difficult discussion around, I think I want to do policing, but I really like criminology. 
where do I sit in the in the pile? And you sort of say to students, look, you know, if your absolute yearn is to be a police officer, you need to do a professional policing degree. That said, if you decide to do criminology, it's not close the door. No, yeah. You've got a lot of a lot of theoretical theory behind you. You've got a lot of skills and abilities, but you have got to carry on studying and work at the same time, which is very hard. Um, and having, having been a police officer and before degrees were sort of introduced, although I went into the police with a degree myself, um, learning to be a police officer was difficult enough. Yeah. Um, and working the, the sort of shift patterns and things like that. But then to add the academic side onto it as well is, is a lot of, mm. it's, a, it's another pull on your time, specifically when you're going to a lot of incidents that have an emotional impact on you. And some people may be, may be having a family, they may have caring responsibilities. It, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to work. The yeah. pre-joined degree gives that opportunity to students to just be a student if they want to. They don't have to engage in practice. And that's not detrimental to them because they've had all the theory and applied simulation that they need. But what it does give them is freedom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Well, you're selling it to me, Phil. I mean, I want to come and join, to be honest with you, but I can't. <laughs> but no, I think it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. I think it's important if we shed light onto the pandemic. Now, did this affect what you're trying to do? Um, yes, it did. Very much so. So um, obviously the pandemic came in and we've had a series of lockdowns and that's had a massive impact on higher education generally across across the sector, across all subjects, but particularly around practice-based subjects like policing and, and particularly the things that we do at NTU uh, on our professional policing degree, that had a really, really um, defined impact on us. Um, that not only hit us in terms of metrics, but it, it also hit us in terms of staff and student relationships. Um, it meant that a lot of the practical assessments and formative and summative that we'd ordinarily like to do, we couldn't do. Um, how do you teach somebody investigative interviewing online? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really difficult. There were some aspects. So, for example, statement taking and things like that, that actually worked quite successfully online. We could get them to engage online. We could get them to watch certain videos and scenarios online and then write policing paperwork based upon that that was fairly successful and well well engaged by the students but when it got to the more practical things around investigative interviewing for example there's nothing that can replace that in-person teaching that that being in a room facing somebody and watching their body language um how they react to questions um you just can't replicate that online and although we did our best to try it and we were very fortunate that in march at ntu and i appreciate this is not reciprocated across every university but we were in a position being a practice-based course to actually get the students back in and we actually did a i actually came back in in, in march and delivered some in-person investigative interviewing workshops i had some students online i had some students in the room um, and it was very much down to the student how they wanted to engage with that. But I have to say the students that engaged with that were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, with everything else that went on, did we did we manage to actually do that in a summative way, actually formally assess them 
no we couldn't because again we were restricted with lockdown so we and, and a lot of students didn't really want to come back to campus yeah. because of the fear so yes the assessment had to change with that and we did manage to get some practicals but of course that has had a knock-on for those year one students this year who I'm currently teaching this term because they are going to do some more practical interviews at the end of this term but they've not all had the grounding so again when it came to assessments we've had to um, revisit our assessment strategy to allow for the fact that realistically this is their first time when ordinarily it should be their second yeah. and the, we should be able to see a measurable improvement we can't do that because they haven't had it but they can still achieve the learning outcomes but it's it's it wouldn't necessarily be as good as what it would normally be um likewise again in the module that i teach at, at year two um and the year two students this had a resound effect on them because we would ordinarily send them to our forensics crime scene house for example where crime scenes would be set up they would explore those crime scenes and learn all the skills that they need to learn um they didn't do that they couldn't do that at all um and as a result of that you know that particular module um the feedback on that was we yeah. feel like we've been shortchanged one of the reasons we came to NTU was that module because it was the one where we get to play and we get to really apply what we know and explore in a safe environment mm. and they didn't have it and year two students and, and I wrote a conference paper or I'm in the process of writing a conference paper that I delivered a presentation to back in May for a global conference. Um, and when I polled the students, it was year two that had the biggest impact because they'd had the university experience to a point in year one. Year two was a complete um, reversal for that. The year one students who came in, and despite the fact they hadn't had a lot of the practical, because they'd had sort of a year or so at A-level or BTEC, online they were quite used to that and not expecting yeah. things but the year twos because they started that university journey and that practical journey to then suddenly have it turned off yeah it's hard they really feel that they've they've been shortchanged and despite the fact that this year now they're now in year three that we're putting on some additional sessions it is a concern of mine as, as sort of the program lead that are they as match fit as they should be oh that's interesting um, and, you know, and I think that, again, is probably a worry for a lot of forces where a lot of practice elements are in there that these people are not quite as ready as they should be. They might have had the theory, but have they had the applied practice, have they had the ability to put it into practice and, and really get that learning and reflective practice out? The chances are, no, they haven't. Unless universities and we're, we're playing hard catch up with this. But it's never going to fully heal the wound if you like of the pandemic no never it's been it's been such a hard we're still adapting now I know yes. both of us working at universities we are still adapting now to the students needs you know there, there was a lot of feedback I think for every yep. university during during that year but I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to give forces that are listening to this podcast something to hold on to mm. but I actually think it's very important that we are honest about it and you know hey yeah. they might not be fit for purpose but that's exactly saying the same as officers within the profession when they had to work from home, when some of them didn't even have laptops to take away yes. with them. So it works both ways, but I'm, I'm happy you were honest about that. And the pandemic, we all went through it. We all went through it. Yeah. So, and actually I think Phil, 
having some of the students online and adapting so quickly to the changes, some may argue that they are they are fit for purpose because policing is all about adapting every single day. Yeah, and I think it's about certainly for us, it's about having that relationship with the force, and because we have a a really good relationship with our local force, um, we can explain that. I think where the I don't know whether you could say mistrust, but where the where the where the where the light's not necessarily shone is whereby you've got providers of this type of degree where they've got no local partner, they've no formal collaboration, and they don't really know. And that I think is where the where the issue is. And you know, we're being honest and upfront and saying, you know, our students should have had 12 weeks at a crime scene facility. They didn't have that. They're probably going to get the equivalent of maybe three weeks because obviously another year has progressed and as a result of that there's only so many people that can fit into the crime scene facility because you know the university is still very careful around numbers and social distancing and so forth um and being sensible and and making students feel comfortable um so yes they have missed out they haven't missed out theoretically what they have missed out on is some of the 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 sort of bells and whistles that we like to apply to our degree that makes us as a provider probably stand out from the crowd. Um, But I think because we're open and honest and we have a great relationship with our local provider, um, that trust is there. So we can say that. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the same. And I also externally examine a couple of policing degrees at other institutions. And I can't say hand on heart that those relationships are as good as mine. Um, So, I think I think honesty is the, always the best policy and certainly as a police officer that is absolutely always the best policy um, so it's about then saying to the forces they've had this opportunity they've not quite had it to the full they might need a little bit of top-up training um, for that but in essence in terms of the curriculum they've still had yeah. the curriculum yeah and there's nothing wrong with top-up training even though it's not provided all the time. That's another story, but yeah. there's nothing There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So for those that are listening to this, obviously, I guess this conversation is especially important. I'm going to persuade all my students to listen to this um, and potentially get in touch with you, yeah. uh, you know, if, if that's okay with you. you know, what, where can they find this information? What if we've got students about to go to university and say, you know what, I want to do this. Where can they find this information to join? What's the entry requirements, et cetera? Okay, so I think for the first point of call for, for most people is, is to decide what their long term strategy is. So we've got students and, and probably at the moment at college who are looking and considering universities. We're in that cycle at the moment of recruitment. You know, lots of open days have started to happen um, and people are asking the question, where do I want to go? Mm. And I think, you know, certainly for joining the police, I think. If it doesn't say the word professional policing in front of it, I think that's the first thing to consider. Um, Because if it doesn't say that, you're automatically a degree holder as opposed to a professional policing candidate, which does have some ramifications in terms of probationary period length um, and things like that. So look for the right degree. Look at the College of Policing's website with regard to the code of ethics, the standards of behaviour, the cycle of recruitment in terms of what you're expected to actually do to join the police force are you fit enough Mm. um we do fitness testing at the university for example in welcome week which probably sounds a little bit bizarre but we 
put them into the gym and we make them run the bleak test because we say to them at some point if you join the police this is a mandatory yeah. requirement um and for some of our students who want to practice as special constables we provide that additional training we don't have to but we do it because it's we know that traditionally it's sometimes a hurdle that students fall down in in the recruitment process um so i think looking at the college of webs uh, the college of policing's website understanding what is required is, is the first point of call and if that still is grabbing you then you need to of course look at what institutions offer the pre-joined degree obviously look at force websites with regard to the pcda because that might be a consideration for some people it could be close to home it might be that they can't necessarily afford to move away or even to fund a degree um, so obviously that's that's still a, a viable route but if you are looking at the pre-join i think you then need to look at where the providers are and like i said next year there'll be 44 providers i think when you look at those providers you need to look at the modules we've all got the same curriculum all 44 providers have been given the same curriculum but what's so nice about the way that the college had provided that curriculum is that every university has free reign to carve that curriculum up in a unique way and therefore you'll never see and i haven't found one yet any pre-joined degree that is exactly the same because we may have put topic a with topic f and another university might put topic a with topic z so they're all unique, which is really nice because it gives people freedom of choice. Um, I would be looking to see if that provider has a really good link with their local force. What relationships do they have? What practice opportunities might they be able to get out of that? So we have students who are specials. I have students who work in the police control room as emergency call handlers. We have students who are volunteers in the volunteers in policing section who are working with the local community. Um, we're also exploring opportunities this year around um, working with the armed forces and also working with the local authority for things like street wardens and so forth. So I think employability is a massive agenda with most universities. And I think if your provider is giving you those opportunities to develop yourself beyond your degree, because I think when you do apply to the police force, what they're looking for is standout candidates what makes you different from the other 2000 people that have applied for these 20 jobs um and i think going beyond just being a student just studying a degree with practice opportunities really does set the students apart they're going to experience things that the average person doesn't experience they're going to be able to apply that knowledge which means that if they apply it they're going to embed it it's going to stay there and for me, that's really, really important. Um, go to open days, you know, meet academic staff. Most policing academic staff are more than likely somebody like myself who's either left mid-service or staff that have maybe just retired. Certainly the staff I have at NTU, we are in a can-do attitude. We are in a positive mindset. Policing needs to change. We're not in that mindset of, this is the way we've always done it. We're always looking for new innovative ways. And I think it's important for students to engage with the staff. Is that staff member engaging? Are they passionate? If they're passionate, you're gonna be interested listening to them. Three years is a long time, 27,000 pounds is a lot of money. It needs to be right. And I think, you know, you need to go and see facilities at universities. You need to speak to the course teams, you need to engage and you need to go more than once in my opinion. 
Um, we certainly don't buy cars or houses without most of the time going to see them or experience them. Uh, we generally do our research for these sorts of things. Why is university any different? Yeah. Because policing degrees are very different. Experiences are very different. And certainly we're getting to the stage now where students are comparing notes um, and saying, well, you do that at your university, but we don't do that at mine. Mm -hmm. So those those conversations are now starting to happen. And I think universities are certainly going to be up in their game because there's more and more providers and competition is going to get more fierce. But for me, students should always have the confidence of going to ask, going to look. What are you going to give me that makes me stand out from the crowd? And that's something certainly I'm very proud to say that NTU and the policing team that I run uh, and manage and the degree that I manage, um, in my opinion, does. And that's one of the reasons why I'm hopeful that when I go and speak to these 43 forces at the College of Policing Conference in November, that I can convince them that actually pre-joins have a defined place within um, recruitment. It is an approved way. And also um, that these students are match fit. Mm. Such a powerful message. Honestly, I'm 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 so happy. One, I feel honoured that we've we've got you on the podcast talking about this because it's not spoken about enough. When you're in the arenas, you hear things, you know, people discussing these programs. When you're talking to someone that's actually developing them, is passionate about it, like you said, and can see the bigger picture. It's a completely different ball game. Um, and I wish you and the rest of your team, you know all the best with this and we will definitely be reaching out to you again to see how you've got on and to see if all of those 43 forces have indeed signed up but Phil it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you Paige I've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it and, and like I say to, to get the message out there that certainly the pre-joined degree that college of policing degrees are a good thing they are the way forward in in, in my opinion you know the research suggests that um to have this platform is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I welcome anybody, any listeners of the podcast to get in touch with me, um, to assist me with some of my research and, and also to, to engage with the, the wider debate. And now let's get to this episode's science snippets for analysis with me, Suzanne Knabe-Nicole from Police Science Doctor, using an offender's MO. Modus operandi behaviors are the behaviors necessary to commit the crime. Learning, confidence and situation can all change an offender's MO, although it seems that successful MO behaviors are likely to remain consistent. You'll find the link to the original article in this episode's show notes.